Well, welcome back to uh, Redemption Meditations. I'm Dana. I've been away for a couple weeks. I'm back, um, and I'm here with Lee and Steve as usual. Um, the the gang is all back together again, um, and we wanted to we wanted to have a uh, maybe a little bit briefer than last time. Um, I can tell when I'm gone, the 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 kids just play and play and play, and the the kids are not all right. <laughs> the kids are not all right, and the podcast just goes on for an hour and 38 minutes just chaos uh, <laughs> but it was a good it was a good discussion it was good to hear blame um, james various yeah. testimonies yeah james james yes um, <laughs> james a fireman um sorry, sorry. yeah so we're gonna take a little bit of a different uh tack tonight um and uh i want to read a passage that i recently preached on within the last couple of months um, and then I'm going to ask uh, the other guys um, what they think. So this is from Leviticus chapter uh, 20. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. Um, uh, we could kind of start anywhere in this section, but I'll just pick verse 17. If a man takes his sister, daughter of his father, daughter of his mother, and sees her nakedness, and she sees his nakedness, it is a disgrace they shall be cut off in the sight of the children of their people. He has uncovered his sister's nakedness. He shall bear his iniquity. If a man, it goes on from there in that same vein. So here's why I'm reading this. I just preached Leviticus at our church um, over the last year. Um, whose idea was it to allow the kids to be in church while I was reading something like that? Steve Lee? It was God's decision. <laughs> let the little children come to me and hear the difficult parts of scripture together with their with their parents so this is the question that i wanted to to bring up is um should children be allowed in worship right in the adult services um should children be allowed in there should we do a children's church that's been a a norm for i don't know how long maybe the last hundred years maybe less than that probably um the churches do a children's church so so often you'll see um somewhere around the offering just before the sermon starts there'll be one last song and the kids will get up and walk out um and then they'll have a, a children's church separate um, sometimes they have a whole separate thing where they're never in the service that's typically some of the bigger churches will do that um what what are you guys' thoughts on kids in the service or not well, I'm, I, I'm totally down. Yes, I agree. I, I would, I, I want to, as always, clothe myself in charity for people who don't agree with me. And now that I've said that, I am way over on one end of the of the this issue here. <laughs> like I am like uh, like on the fanatical end of the possible choices of this, and I I would try to justify my position by saying a couple things. The Bible does not know anything of what a lot of us here in uh, 21st century America know about and maybe have as our default understanding of what discipleship, and I would equate that to the word education of children, understand. Like there's some just, well, of course it goes like this, the Bible knows nothing of that. The Bible doesn't present us with examples that look like 
kind of how uh, the vast, vast, vast majority of children are discipled. And again, I'm equating that word with education in America and have been for many, many years. So th there wasn't a situation where Jesus is preaching on the Mount and all the kids are, uh, uh, in a certain age bracket are two hills over. And, 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 the, and the next age bracket, they're three hills over, like, of course, and I say that and it's like, well, that's silly. Of course not. But that's what we can tend to do. We can tend to say, well, like, it, you know, the kindergartners are in this room, the first graders are in this, if the church were big enough, you might do this, you know, the second graders are in this room and we're more borrowing that from modern thinking. And in some cases from people who were not particularly, who were not Christians and, and weren't even charitable to uh, Christians. And again, I'm not trying to condemn that being done in all circumstances for all things, but if we're figuring out how do we do church, that might not be the best place to start as our default, unless you prove to me for some reason why we're not going to do it this way. That might not be a good starting point. Lee? Yeah, I, uh, I'm i a huge fan of uh, children being in the worship service with, uh, with the adults, uh, sitting with their parents. Uh, sitting with uh, other friends at church in their pew, uh, maybe not even their own family's pew, but um, uh, I do, I do think it's good to have an 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 option, especially for you know the kids of of a particular age where they're a little more squirmy than uh, than they are later on. Something to help hold their attention at their level, um, but as a mandatory like, uh, oh, uh, church is starting now. We better send these kids away. Um, I'm very much opposed to that idea. Um, I could even say, you know, that's that's what's led to. Um, uh, I'm I'm going to go a different way on this. So I think a program where you automatically send the kids out of the worship service, away from their families, and into a program um, is what led not only to um, the watered down youth group movements that we that we often decry privately. And then turned into, I would even dare say, our our uh, secret sensitive modern mega church uh, um, entertainment uh, uh, pageant on Sunday that that occurs. Um, I think we've we've divorced young people from the worship of God for long enough that people have not been uh, discipled to 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 borrow what what Steve was laying down uh, have not been discipled in the way of. Of honoring God at church, and it's become more of an entertainment-centered uh, thing. And, and I do think um, separating separating the young people from the old people for so long has led to that. Um, so I, I'm all for the you know the option of of having a uh, a nursery for the newborns uh, to have an optional program for young kids who just will not be able to 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 keep it together <laughs> in the sanctuary. Um, but I'll tell even as a former young person myself, <laughs> when, when, no, believe it or not, I was, I was at one time a young person and, and, and my, and actually, so this is a callback to our, our marathon last episode, but, um, I've been going to church since before I was born, but my most, my most formative, 
experiences at church uh, weren't necessarily in in the kids' ministry. Um, it was actually sitting in in the sanctuary with the adults uh, as a young child. Um, and and so I, I, I said before, and I'll, I'll say it every every episode if I need to. I'm very grateful uh, to my parents for instilling that rhythm of weekly church attendance from my my youngest uh, uh, ages. And I think it's good for parents to continue that and and to to actually be in the the sanctuary worship center, you know, whatever you want to call the room where the church meets uh, at the meeting house uh, to be there together and and hear from God's word together. Even if I couldn't understand it at that time, to be in that that rhythm of stand and sing, stand or sit to pray or both sit to hear the sermon, just even the posture aspect of it was very formative for me, and, I, and I'm sure it's very formative for lots of young people that have the have the uh, the pleasure to sit in the church service with with the grown-ups. So, so we've covered a lot of ground already, so let, let me go back to um, sort of where Steve started us, which was um, you were talking about discipleship and education, and you mentioned that they were, that a lot of uh, the way that we, meaning just churches, um, do discipleship or education that we get the methodology from the world from unchristian so you're talking about um with that and i know you're talking kind of big picture but you're kind of talking about um even schooling right yeah yeah i think churches tend to borrow from the greater education system of well as they don't start with a blank page they start with sort of that model and are there things we want to change about it and my (laughs) argument is that's not a good place to start which doesn't mean so you know our church has a nursery option uh if you have little ones and i'm not you know simmering under the surface about i can't believe we do that i i totally uh i i heartily approve of providing that for example you can imagine somebody who's a new Christian, really new Christian, has a little one. Uh, maybe they're a single mom or they, or there's somebody who doesn't, you know, you can't even like play two to one defense here a little bit. You're on your own. And yeah. we, I think it is a, a wonderful blessing to offer to somebody. If you just want to sit and be fed without being distracted with this little person for an hour, that's okay. That doesn't mean you're going to do that for like the next, you know, 10 years with this person. Mm -hmm. But if you Mm -hmm. want to take a a, a certain amount of time, because you are really starting at square one with even understanding what what you even understanding what we're doing, you know, that's, that's great. That's a great thing to provide for. And and other families are going to do it differently because maybe there's two people, maybe they just have a different circumstance. Maybe they're able to follow along even with a little distraction you know, on their lap in a way that other people may not be able to. So that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. I do think it's a bad idea to say the world does discipleship like this. And so as a church, let's just immediately copy and paste that into what we do. And then our, maybe there's some tweaks. That's a terrible way to do it, I, I would argue. Yeah, so part, part there's a couple of things there. When you say the world does it like this, the this one of the things that the this is is um, like uh, we hear things along the lines of uh, you know learning um, 
learning ages, people learn differently at different ages, right? Yeah. So obviously, yes, that's true, right? Sure. Um, We talk to our five-year-old, we teach them things in a different way than we do our 25-year-old or a 45-year-old. Hopefully. Um, So we all understand that. (laughs) So we can take that, that's like common grace type of uh, thing. So we can take that, but to take it to the extreme is where the problem comes in, where all kids only learn it this way. Therefore, like you see it sometimes, um, every once in a while, people will say to me, not so much lately, but like in the last decade, um, you know, that they want us to use like a PowerPoint because they're visual learners. Well, uh, okay. Um, but, but for since 1975 years since Christ, <laughs> we haven't had that option. I mean, yeah. whenever flannel graphs were invented, right? <laughs> but we, right we haven't had the, the option of, century, of using, of watching videos or, or seeing stuff on the wall. Um, uh, this isn't so, Plato's cave. <laughs> <laughs> or Belshazzar's. T- uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's different. Many, um, many Tekel uh, Farsen or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're we're, we're not really uh I'm, that's sort of an off the sort of a um rabbit trail but we're saying the same thing about kids right so we understand that kids do learn things differently but that doesn't mean that we should pull them out and not have them be a part of all the things that like lee was talking about the 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 rhythm of worship the hearing the songs learning how to sing, learning how to sit still, learning how to, um, you know, uh, w- learning about the offering plate when it goes by, learning about communion, even if you're not taking it. Um, mm-hmm. all, all of those things we're, we're trying to teach our kids. Um, so so uh, the other part of it, so you said, um, like, taking the world's uh, like philosophy of education and just kind of slamming it onto the church um, that we, we're trying not to do that. Um, and then the other, the other thing is, well, let me ask it this way. What do you do about like, like I read that sort of wild passage and there's that whole chapter is pretty wild in a wild book of law that whole you know, there's a lot of really uncomfortable things. What do you do about pa- passages or books or sermons like that? where, boy, this is almost rated PG-13, right? Like, just reading it is is that. (laughs) Um, Go ahead. Welcome to the modern American life. Like, uh, the the cultures after your children, they want to make it not only PG-13, they want to make it rated R at all times. Or worse. Yeah, or or worse than that. Um, So there, so whether it's an ad on television, um, the... Uh, the previews at the movie theater, uh, whatever the case may be, the agenda is being pushed at your children uh, almost at all times. And and parents have a lot of ways to get around that. But um, it's honestly, I think it's a good opportunity to to catechize our children in the uh, in the difficult parts of life that we would be uncomfortable. I mean, we're already uncomfortable hearing that text ourselves as grown adults. Um Sometimes I, I think it's it's good to um, when we're given the opportunity to catechize our children on difficult topics to do it together. <laughs> um, yeah, or let I the think, pastor do it. <laughs> or let the pastor do it. I, I think that uh, 
it forces us to, you know, there are certain parts of, of the Bible, Judah and his daughter-in-law, uh, David's kid, is it Absalom and yeah. his yeah. sister, um, uh, David and, and, uh, and Bathsheba. There's, there's a lot of Jael and the tent peg. Yeah. There's, there, there's a lot of PG 13 type material in there that if you're sitting with your kids, I don't think that we as Christians should be afraid of that. Like we have to like, Oh my goodness, run out of the room afraid of that. Right. So I think it presents an opportunity even for kids who you're not going to get into a, a, a whole lot of detail yet at their age, but we can still, it, it brings up issues of God regulates certain types of relationships and when we step outside the bounds of that, it always ends in disaster and shame and, and horrible mm -hmm. consequences. You don't have to wait until you're at this, you know, we don't talk about that until we're 13. Well, like Lee said, the world's going to start uh, moralizing uh, intimate relationships for your kids as soon as they can possibly get their attention. Right. So we shouldn't yep. cede that ground. You know, we should say. David's a peeping Tom. That's creepy and evil and a sin yeah. against God. We don't do that. Right. right? right. That's and why we, we, and we have a whole it. Psalm of him repenting of it. Right. Yeah. And, and, and here's why he has to repent. He did this creepy, terrible thing. It, it helps begin to set up appropriate boundaries around certain relationships. It mm -hmm. also sets up Psalm 51 is a perfect example of, okay, if you've already done some of this stuff, all hope is not lost. You're not, you know, somehow the blood of Jesus doesn't cover this. So you might as well embrace the people who celebrate it. No, no, no. That's not what we have to offer. So yes, I get it. You might have some uncomfortable conversations on the car ride when you get home, but you should be having those. Hmm. You, you don't get to just say, well, Christians don't talk about that stuff. Well, God put it in his bestseller. So what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like you, you better be talking about that stuff right like it's in the book and i so i know this this isn't a, a, a an episode about preaching but i think it's worth saying that this is again one of the strengths of expository preaching because i would dare say as well i'm making I'm, I'm making a lot of hot takes this evening uh, <laughs> this might Go be ahead. a record of hot takes nice but you will not find a topical preacher who would be willing to preach that passage and unless unless you're bound, unless your conscience is bound to exposit the word of God, uh, verse verse by verse, um, paragraph by paragraph, chapter by chapter, you you in yourself will avoid that passage and many others like it because it, it is uncomfortable. So but that's when you why set out to preach God's word, you have to preach it. You have to preach all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why we um, I don't know if this is you guys experience, but that's why we grow up, I think with our kids thinking the Bible is, um, you know, just a lame book for, you know, grandma or something and it, not a book of epic adventure and, uh, you know, uh, like, um, uh, rules and consequences and it, like the stuff that's the, 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 um, the real life, like warts and all stuff that's in there that happens to God's people or that they, so to take David, we've used him as an example a couple of times that that the child that was conceived in adultery um, died. 
right? Like, like the heat, like, and that was his, it was punishment for that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and that his family was an absolute disaster. Um, you know, like we miss all of that when we don't go through God's word. And when we pull the kids out and kind of, you know, put our hands over their ears, and you know, I don't want them to hear this part. Um, we're, we're, we're softening it and making it just sort of like a, a G rated, you know, like superhero um, story. Yeah, right. Yeah. Wherever we're, you know, the good guy wins in the end. Except mm-hmm. way, way more lame, right? They, they end up thinking <laughs> the Lord of the Even Rings has a slingshot. is really exciting. What kind of superhero is that? And the Bible stinks. Well, the opposite is I, the Lord of the Rings. I'm not saying the Lord of the Rings stinks. I'm saying the Bible's that much better, right? Yeah. Like, right, right, right. It, there, there are battles and wars and drama and betrayals and alliances giants. and adventures and giants and all sorts of mm-hmm. things. And if we're going to like be embarrassed about all that, then of course they're gonna the kids are gonna grow up and be more enamored by somebody else's stories mm-hmm. if we've just yeah. made them all boring, right? Mm-hmm. Like you you've done a horrible disservice by concealing what's in the book from your kids. Right. Even if some of it's a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was gonna add another thing. I think part of it is too, is it provides an opportunity for parents to just teach their kids how to be in church, right? We're going to open our Bibles because so we're going to read a chapter out loud and we stand up. Why do we do that? We're honoring God's word. Now we're going to stand up and we're going to sing. A lot of us know a whole bunch of those hymns we sing each week and they're just like woven into the marrow of our bones because we were singing them for the first 20 years of our life right and so we just we know those right and even sitting and listening to the sermon are they going to get everything out of the sermon that somebody who's uh, been a faithful christian reading his bible for 40 years is going to get of course not but this is how you listen to a sermon you get your little notes page and we have it right there when you walk in the door for a little person. What is the text? What What is he talking about? Give me like mm-hmm. a, a half sentence gist of what the sermon's about. You know, you want to be taking notes 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now. Start now. You know, it's it's an opportunity to teach your kids how to go to church. If you just take them out and do they just get entertained? Don't expect them to come back and sit in church when they're 18. Okay, so that's where Lee was saying. So I agree with that. When when you have um, super fun Sunday school that leads to super fun um, children's church, um, and then you know we want our high schoolers to sit in church, but they've they've only known super fun. So not now we now we have uh, a high school service where you know, youth group is sufficient. They can go to this, this youth service. A lot of churches do that where the, you know, all the way through high school, they're not even in, in church with um, the rest of the church Um, or they just go to youth group, you know, whether it's a midweek or, or something like that. And then, and then when they grow up, um, all they know that church is, is, you know, super fun and, you know, some cool speaker and cool music and, you know, whatever. And so that's where, yeah, and that's where what Lee was saying is that has turned into that generation in order to keep that generation. So now we're getting into the 80s, right? And in, in, in the in the 
uh, um, origination of all of this, um, you're getting that generation that has known youth group because the youth ministry movement really started in the 50s and 60s. By the time you get up to the 80s, oh, we got to do something to keep these kids in church. Yep. And so now you have church that is basically just youth group for adults. And, and that's what most, I mean, most sort of generic churches, that's what it is. It's just youth well, group for adults. You have it, some dynamic speaker, um, you know, and some cool music. And, um, you know, it's the whole thing is an hour or whatever. Um, and, and short prayers, not a lot of Bible reading. Um, yeah, it, it just is youth group for adults. And that, and, and, and that is... Um, we could go down a whole different rabbit trail of why that's actually not good for you spiritually, but, um, but it certainly isn't giving any depth, uh, to our understanding. To go on with your, with your generational discussion there, uh, one of the big phenomena of Gen Z right now, so that <clears throat> those are youths in their, in their twenties. Now, those are the Gen Z generation, um, they have now the pendulum has swung. So, so they were the ones, their older brothers and sisters, maybe even parents uh, grew up in that same super fun culture. And what are they doing now? They're either they're they're a bifurcated generation. So they're, they're either madly atheistic or agnostic on one side or super trad religious people, meaning like going to Rome, uh, yeah, going to Constantinople. Right, getting chrismated into the Eastern Orthodox Church, yeah. and they'll tell you it's because the church I grew up in was divorced from history. We feel like it was just a bunch of games. We wanted to be part of something that was older and historic, and so you know, not to rag on Baptists a lot since we are Baptists, but you know, a lot of Baptistic churches have been the the purveyors of the super fun experience that is completely devoid of any relationship with the historical Christian Church. Um, devoid of small C Catholic doctrine a lot of the time. And those kids sometimes have a point. These churches did not act correctly. And it made the children, the, the kids that grew up in those churches, thirst to be part of something ancient and historic. Maybe not faithful. That's not necessarily a category that they were inculcated in, which is why they then go to Rome or go to um, uh, to, to uh, uh uh, Moscow, Russia, to join the you know the Russian Orthodox Church, for example, or or or, uh, or, or Athens. Even like, to... Yeah, even even for us locally, that that's why some have gone to the the super um, the super traditional mm -hmm. like denim skirt wearing, mm -hmm. very legalistic, because the rules is what yeah. they like. Like yeah, anything goes the at the again. rock and roll church, but here they have rules and order and. You know, they take like, God women, seriously, <laughs> right? Right. The facade is that they take God seriously. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they actually don't. They, <laughs> yeah, They're antinomians, they, actually. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but to they go back seem to, our, to, right? Yeah. So things look to. because things were so shallow at the church they grew up in. Um, this looks like structure, mm -hmm. and it's the same thing with Rome in a, in a different way, right? The smells and bells, whatever. And the same thing with. Um, the Orthodox, the Eastern Orthodox Church. Some uh, some papist account actually tweeted. They're like, you know, people ask me, you know, where are all the young people? And they say, look at your look at your traditional service in your in your parish. If you have a Latin only mass, the youth are there, and that is just so wild to me. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, we could, I, I could do a whole solo episode on that phenomenon. And so I'm, I'm going to let it go, but. <laughs> yeah. I think the, <laughs> the ironic thing is that in, in the eighties and even into the nineties, there was this very widespread, I believe effort to be fun enough that you'll get the kids there in the hopes that they stay and go on to be faithful. And the truth of it is, and, and I think a lot of people just sincerely believe that this was the right way to go. I don't believe that there was some malicious, ah, this is how we'll po spiritually poison these kids. They right. thought they were doing the right thing when in fact they were probably doing more harm than good, right? They, they were, if you're not going to answer some of the difficult questions, uh, why is the world so bad? How can God be sovereign and good? Why? How do we reconcile some of these deep questions? Questions about the world. The world will gladly answer those questions, and eventually, it sounds like the world is more serious than churches. Mm -hmm. Churches just we're going to do a skit and have a a talent show and do you know. Uh, relay races and we'll splash in a little devotional there so we can say it's a churchy thing <laughs> but we don't want to get into these difficult questions we don't want to look at the hard things we're going to skip over the difficult embarrassing parts of scripture we want to keep it light and easy breezy and then the world will answer these questions so mm -hmm. we sort of abdicated our what our role is supposed to be as disciplers and i i, I think people have realized okay that was a huge mistake and i don't think that's very arguable i mean when you look at the percentage of people who grew up in protestant churches even if you narrow that down to what we would probably all three agree are pretty biblical protestant churches and if you go back 30 40 years an enormous percentage of the young people grew up and left now, some of them will come back, but some of them don't. And so we have to reevaluate where did we go wrong and, and how can we do this differently? How can we do this better so that we don't repeat the same mistakes of the past? And I think a big part of that is being serious people. Preaching through books of the Bible, verse by verse, not skipping the difficult ones tackling these big fundamental questions that everybody's going to have to deal with eventually you know what's wrong with the world why does this happen you know all these things we could make a whole we could do a whole big list of those questions yeah. and if we just why don't do want to get into it as a church people. right exactly uh if we don't want to get into that as a church they'll just go someplace else for the answers the answers might be wrong but they'll have answers yeah. and somebody will want to talk about that we yep. just don't. And that's a huge mistake. So the other part of this, and we're kind of veering into, and I brought us here, we're kind of veering into a little bit of, of going back to the, the regulative principle that we talked about hey. um, when we went through our, our order of service. So, hey. so the other part of this that we have to remember is that we're not, um, so like the, this pendulum swinging, um, if I could say traditionalists, so those who have it like a traditional service can be just as pragmatic, like looking for results as the, mm -hmm. the contemporary side, right? That's not what we're concerned about. Our biggest concern is, is glorifying God 
um, that the regulative principle is not about results in, in, in the sense of are people going to stay or not. It's about doing what the Bible says to do. And so what you're saying, Steve, is, isn't, and that's, it, it isn't, we're doing this because of results. We're, it, you're saying um, that it's, it seems pretty clear that doing what God says to do is what is the most effective. <laughs> yeah, right? I think this is uh, this, a discipleship. I, I, yeah, you bring up you bring up a good point. This isn't pragmatism. This is just about feeding the sheep. Right. And and God will do with people what he'll do. We can't change people's hearts. We've talked about this stuff. But if there's one thing the church should be doing, it should be feeding the sheep. It should be answering tough questions. It should be being serious. It's it has a lot more to do with feeding the sheep than how we're dressed. I don't like I don't care if you're in jeans and a t-shirt or a three-piece suit. I, I, or something in the middle. I don't care about any of that. Right. Not nearly. Let's put it this way. I would, when it comes to where my children and grandchildren and great grandchildren go to church one day, I don't care about that. I care about are the leaders of the church feeding the sheep? Are they serious about discipleship from cradle to grave? Yep. I'll take those good answers when it comes to those questions. And then I don't care if kind of everybody wears a suit or everybody wears, you know, shorts and sandal. I, I don't or care. There's an electric guitar in the service. I don't care about that. Yeah, I don't <laughs> care if it's a it's a PowerPoint up on the thing or hymnals or like the stylistic things. I don't care about any of that. That's not, that doesn't move the needle for me. You can have personal opinions on that, but I don't think that's a big, that just isn't a big deal to me either way. Right. And those are things that can change and be refined to be more faithful later but if you don't actually have true ministry of the word and and sacrament happening in the church um it's hard to say you have a church so you you right. have to get the essentials right um yeah and those, it's, those it's things not like go ahead the, those things you know like like songs for example you know in the in the early days of the english reformation uh so early 1600s late 1500 it, there, there wasn't even uh, actually all through the 1600s often there wasn't singing in church mm -hmm, in fact mm -hmm. baptists the early particular baptists in england fought about that yeah. you know they divided over whether or not we're even going to sing in church yep. um so and and in places around or whether the world, we meet on sunday or not <laughs> yeah actually there that was, was a, baptists, a debate too yeah. and 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 around the world you know there are christians meeting in in closed countries, uh, China and Middle East and places like that, um, where they're not able to sing, at least not loudly, mm -hmm. right? So they're, they're not, they're meeting in little tiny groups. They've got a, sometimes, I mean, I've read some of the stories of like a page of the Bible. That's all they have is one page that somebody tore out of the Bible and gave it to them. Um, and that's how they meet and they meet in secret. And, you know, so we're not, we're not saying, um, we're not even talking about pragmatism. We're just talking about what is faithful. So here in our nation, we have the ability to gather together. We can put a sign out in front of the church. We can walk in carrying our Bibles. We can make it clear to everybody that we go to church, that we are a church. Um, and, and, and so we should take full advantage of that, um, uh, I believe. And, um, and then we can we can come and gather together and sing. And so the, the next question then to kind of move us back to we, we've gone a little bit of far field and 
that's fine. But the next question brings us back to kids in, in worship is what do you guys think about like, uh, or what do you, what is your ideas on the distractions? Um, so so uh, uh, let me give you two, two examples. So one is a long time ago uh, in a church far away. Um, uh, we were in church one time and um, the pastor, I wasn't the pastor then, the pastor actually was distracted by somebody, somebody was holding a baby and a lady a row behind or a couple row behinds was doing like a peekaboo thing with the, and everybody was kind of quietly playing with the baby and the pastor actually rebuked her in front of the whole church, like stopped his sermon and like rebuked her because he was distracted and said it was distracting everyone. Um, and, and so that's one story. Another story is uh, not long ago, I stepped into the nursery after, after church, after lunch, I think. And there was a mom in there who had, you know, some kids. Um, and uh, just like, it, it's just a difficult, it, it's a difficult time in that she finds herself in the nursery a lot and not really out with, I mean, there's other moms in there. We have a lot of kids. So we have the benefit of usually there's half a dozen kids in the nursery and, you know, a few moms are in there at any given time. And, um, you know, her, her attitude toward it was very positive. It was very like, I know that this is just a stage of life and it seems almost, it seems strange to go through all this production to get your kids up and fed and ready for church and you know dressed and clean and with shoes you know two shoes on whatever and drive to church only to just sit and hold your kid in the nursery you know kind of by herself or with a couple of their moms um but that it's her attitude was very positive it was just i know this is just the stage and it's important to bring the kids so those two stories um uh, uh those are real stories w what are you guys's thoughts and reaction on those things so distraction and like is it worth it to bring them every week i have a difficult time um so with your first story regarding the actual the pastor who actually rebuked somebody over distracting him i don't i don't understand that i don't i don't know i don't understand that experience uh yeah. i think that's very strange and bad uh so i'll just put that out there but um I'll make I, I note don't... of that for next week, uh, not to do that. <laughs> that is strange and Please bad disapprove. he said so. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. Uh, it was awkward. It was really, yeah. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Um, and uh, I, I've never been distracted by uh, kids crying in the sanctuary. Um, it's, it's, uh, I, I like knowing, it's, it's a way of knowing that there's a soul in the room, especially special because because sometimes I, we an as, unregenerate crying soul that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh so just from experiential I, I i don't understand where distraction comes from and i usually if i hear people say that kids are a distraction at church i i have a bad internal reaction and i usually have to stop myself from saying something because i truly don't understand that i don't know what would make them I would, I would, I, know, I would understand parents feeling as if they were a distraction, and so I do sympathize with, you know, usually the moms who end up in the nursery. Sometimes it's a dad, but usually it's a mom. Um, but then I would, I guess, I would encourage being in the nursery at church. 
does not mean you're not part of the ecclesia. So like the 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 body is gathered, they're gathered for worship. Um, if you have to step out of the room for your baby, you know, don't it does you shouldn't feel like you're leaving church. You're still with you're still with the body, but but you're ministering to your child at that at that point. Uh, that's completely that's valid. Uh, I would never feel bad for that. Um, it might feel weird and awkward, and it is it is a phase. But um, I would I would just be down to encourage anybody feeling that way. Um, just you know, keep your chin up. You're serving your your child. Your your uh, that is a vocation that you, you don't get a break from, and. Uh, no matter how old that kid gets, you're you're always going to be ministering to your children. So, um, keep loving your kids. Bring them to church. We love them too. So, and sometimes we only get to see them on Sunday. So it's nice for you to be there. Yeah, I think I would be really concerned about what the lasting effects would be on that mother who got rebuked in front of the whole, you know, usually if you're getting rebuked before the, the, the gathered body, it's for perpetual sin where you refuse to repent, where you're totally unresponsive right. to gentle appeals by the, so just right there, boom, because I'm annoyed, we're going to skip all that. Right. And just like call <laughs> you out. Like total total misuse of past. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you be concerned total that misuse. this this woman or this family would just be like, I can't show my face there again. I'm so embarrassed that we've if you've been parents of children, we can all think of days that maybe aren't our proudest moment as a family, right? Like <laughs> you don't necessarily want uh, someone to point everyone's attention in your direction on this particularly bad day, right? So I don't, I, I, I'd be exceedingly uncomfortable with doing that way, e even if, and we can all imagine a scenario where maybe a kid is like truly legitimately like level 11 on a scale from one to 10 loud. And so you go to that person privately in a gentle way and you offer different ways that we can support that family, not in the middle, not mid sermon. I'm super uncomfortable with that. And I think that, and, and look, so I'm right now, I have kids from 16 to 24. So I'm not in the middle of the little child wrestling match throughout the sermon, <laughs> trying to, shh, you're being too loud. And, you know, so what I would say is to parents who are in that stage of life, your kids always seem louder in your ears to ev than everybody else. You're you're way more annoyed by the noise that your your own children are making than other people are. It's just it amplifies in your ears. So it's okay, you know. <laughs> and there's absolutely nothing wrong. You could have a little person who is having a bad day. And if you do need to take that person out of the room and have a little parental disciplinary engagement or whatever you need to do to disciple that person. Great. Go do that. And then bring them back in. You don't, you know, you're not, those doors will open back up if you want to come back in. So go do your parental thing and then bring them back in. We want them back in there. So, um, and then as far as the people serving in the nursery, if things are going as they ought to, they can serve other families and mothers by helping wash your kids. But that means that the flip side of that coin means there should be some time when other families are serving 
that mother and she can go uh, be in the church service. If it's one of those things, and it is something that we think about as church leaders, we don't want to, and sometimes this will happen in church, you know, where you have 10% of the people doing 90% of the work. We want to put a stop to that long before it gets that bad, you know? Yeah. So if you're benefiting from one of the ser services offered or blessings of the church, we hope if you're able to serve in that way, um, or maybe you serve in some other way, you you, you serve uh, your your church family also. So hopefully there's a a little bit of a trade off there. But uh, there's 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 two different points of view on that, and the, and and I think they're both valid. I think they're competing points of view that are both valid. One is this, one is what you just said that um, you know there are people in the church that are going to serve you, serve young mom. You know we'll we'll take care of your kids. It, it, there, uh, I, I love the fact that in so many churches, there are um, grandmothers who love to serve in the nursery, right? That love mm -hmm. to be in there. And um, uh, so there's there's that. And then there's the other sort of competing, uh, and I think this is a valid point as well. They're actually, they're actually your kids, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Like you are responsible to take care of your kids. And so, so there's an element to it of, if if for a few months you're not able to be in church because your your kid cannot be left in the nursery, you know, for whatever reason, they're sick, they're teething or whatever, you know, they're fussy all the time, you know, they can't be away from mom, um, you know, you just kind of have to push through that and uh, train the kid and work slowly and, you know, all of those things until one one day there will be a breakthrough and that child will be able to be left um, or sit in the service and, uh so, so both of those things it's a are literally valid. vital ministry. Like the ministry yeah. of a parent is for the life of their child. Uh, that's that's a powerful vocation that God's given that that person. So, not to take it lightly. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, one of the things that and you, and you you both kind of have gotten into this a little bit. One of the things that I've said multiple times to moms in the church, and I've probably said it publicly, is, um, and this is true. I don't really get distracted by. I, as the preacher, don't really get distracted by kids um, making noise. Every once in a while, there'll be something, you know, one kid that's particularly loud or, um, you know, something something will happen and it will distract or, me. Or you notice bit. your own grandchild, uh, <laughs> that, it, her, her yeah. voice maybe. Every once in a while, a child with the same last name as I have. Distracted by love. Distract me. We're but not that's a saying thing. who that is. That could be any <laughs> little child. Okay, yeah, right. <laughs> Just having to be a, it's a common last name. So, yeah. um, <laughs> so, so there's, there, there's that, right. I, I try to like assure moms, like, if you think that you're dis distracting me because your, your kid is particularly fussy or something, sometimes you have to take them out. But if you don't have to take them out, like, I'm not distracted by it. The mm -hmm. kid can make a little bit of noise. I, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I don't notice, I can be up front looking in the direction of the congregation, and I don't notice when somebody gets up and walks out the door. I, I think that's a really good point, and I think we would all agree on this, that if you're up there preaching, you're pretty preoccupied with the preaching, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> you're not yeah. observing the room, because we've all been in both positions, right? When right. we're up there preaching, and when we're just sitting, listening to the preaching, mm -hmm. you're Where's certainly- you're, cool. Yeah, you're you're way more. Why are you leaving right now? If you're sitting in the room, 
then if you're up there preaching, you're you're pretty focused on the preaching, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. So it's going to have to take something pretty drastic for you to be like caught off guard or really derailed. I mean, that's just that's that's not that likely to happen based on what we've seen over the last many years that goes on at our church. It's just, you know, it, it's not a big deal with the kid noises. And and the other reason that I say that sometimes, and I, and I think I say it probably, I don't know, once a month or something at church. One of the reasons why I say that, that I'm not distracted is for the other people who might want to hold a distraction, like, you know, why can't they bring their kid out of here? You know, they're just, their kid is just noisy. Why don't they just bring them out? You know, that, that person who has a bad attitude towards it. Um, and I, you know, I don't have anybody specific in mind, but I, I want to say like, actually that's the wrong attitude, mm -hmm. right? Like you're the problem in your heart, the person that thinks like that. It's, it's, I'm going to say, you know what? It doesn't distract me. Sometimes it does distract the people around. I do see the, you know, the peekaboo stuff sometimes. Um, I do know there's one particular row on my right, kind of a uh -oh. long row, and uh -oh. kids kind of get passed around there. And sometimes <laughs> they get pretty distracted with the kids um, or with each other or whatever. And I, I see that, I, I, you know, whatever. But what I want to do is, what's that? I said busted. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I want to do is to say, um, like we need to not let ourselves be, distra be yeah. distracted with these things because we love the alternative is to have a church with no children. And that another word for that is a dead church, right. Or a dying church. If, if there's no kids and we, we, our church has, has been there where we had literally one little kid in the church. And, um, we set it in our hearts to start praying for more families. And we, um uh stopped praying for more families for a while like god didn't stop bringing them and so too now late, buddy. Like, you know what god answered that prayer all Let's too pray well. for van loads of kids yeah um you know every week and and because we believe that children are always a blessing from god and so we're gonna we're gonna pray that way we're gonna pray for our pregnant moms we're gonna pray for them by name um you know we're gonna honor uh, our our parents in the church and we're going to make a big deal about the fact that um uh that the children are a blessing from god and we even mean that during the church service the children are still a blessing from god and that they're there and they're hearing god's word and i can't tell you how many times um you know a family will have their kids in church it's new to them they they you know that they, they maybe went to a different church where they had like the the children's church stuff they didn't expect it. And a few years into it, they're starting to, kids will start to make comments of something that was said in a sermon or in a prayer. Mm -hmm. They'll start to pray the same, like the, a mm -hmm. statement that probably I pray or, or one of us, when we get up to pray, we might say the same statement every time and it gets in their head. And they're, they're not even seemingly not even paying attention, right? They're coloring, they're, they're squirming around. And then all of a sudden they're repeating back some of the things they've heard in church. That's a good thing, mm -hmm. right? That's the catechizing then that you're talking about. That's the, the, they're, they're starting to hear parents are starting to hear from their kids. Um, you know, the kid, as they're teaching their kid to pray, they're using phrases that I sometimes use. Maybe I use every week when I pray in the, in our, in our, our pastoral prayer, 
Um, I think those things are great because that's, that's the, the kids, they really are catching more than we think. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's, that's the important part of training up our children. And, and also it leads to, um, when they graduate high school, when they grad, you know, when their Lord takes them in some other place, right. They move away or whatever. They don't leave their, the faith, right. Like, um, and, and a lot of that. So I'm not saying it's up to us completely. <laughs> it's up to the Lord and the Lord holds, right. Um, it's up to the person. Um, but it, but it is like the foundation that we give in having kids in church, even even though it can be a pain sometimes, because there are weeks, there are weeks I've acknowledged this when I'll get up to pray and there's four or five kids in the, in the room that are all fussy and it's, <laughs> it's clear because all you can hear is like scatterings of fussiness. I'll just acknowledge it. Hey Lord, thank you for this. Right. And, yeah. and uh, that has gone a long way. Like people will chuckle. I've prayed sometimes during a prayer, I'll mention something like that. You can hear kind of a, a chuckle in the room. Like that's going to cut some of that ice and say, actually, this is important. It, it's more important that they're here. It's mm -hmm. more important that they're here regularly, week after week after week, than it is that uh, I'm not distracted, you know, for three minutes, you know, or whatever. Um, or that I don't seeds are being planted. And one of the profound, a mystery I think is profound is what is the spirit of God doing potentially in those kids' hearts from those earliest moments? You know, right. is he, is he sovereignly preparing uh, the path towards salvation, even from those earliest moments of, of that infant being in the room, uh, Lord's day to Lord's day, uh, hearing, and we don't understand how that works, but but God knows, and and God has a plan. Uh, he works out all these things through ordinary means that sometimes seem to us quite extraordinary how they turn out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I I think that's a really good point that you made that those kids get more than you think. You know, one of the things we did when our kids were little. And it got to the point where they knew they were going to get asked this on the ride home. Tell me something from the sermon. Now, it may not have been one of the major points of the sermon. It could have just been something sort of superficial, something that was, you know, that got a chuckle or something that wasn't like really the meat and potatoes of the sermon. I don't care. You're going to tell me something. And sometimes I would even give a little reminder on the way in. You better have an answer for me. <laughs> like if you just go, oh, no. like, well, we got a problem, you know, and you can start that earlier than you think. And it doesn't have to be some like uh, long winded diagnostic the theological lecture. You're not going to get that, of course. It's going to just be like some very basic, simple thing if you're talking about a pretty little kid. But they can be pretty little and and you can say. I'm going to get, I'm going to get some answer from you about what was in the sermon yeah. and they'll take it serious. If you're serious about it, like I want to hear what, what you heard, they'll take it seriously too. If it's a priority for you, it's a priority for them. Yep. And it's a good way to start to train, pay attention to what's being said. Yeah. Hey, Mike. So, yeah, as as we finish up, one of the one of the kind of parting thoughts on that 
before we move to our library ladder um, is think of the end of the end of your life, right? Of, a, of a, a person who has grown up in church, they had parents or grandparents that faithfully brought them to church and, and, um, and they, they go for a lifetime. And at the end of the life, at the end of their life on their deathbed, you know, what, what are the songs that they're singing? What are the verses that they're holding fast to? Those are things often you will hear. I, I've heard people, they're things that they learned when they were a kid. You know, that when they were a, a child that their mom taught them or their Sunday school teacher or whatever, um, you know, that they, that they held for their whole life. I mean, there's, there's, there's a reason that certain kids, uh, sort of simple kids-like, kid-like hymns or songs or even some specific verses from the Bible. There's a reason that those are the, there's a reason John 3.16 is the first verse that everybody memorizes. You know, there's a reason for that. And there's a reason why we hold on to it till the end. Um, yeah, so th it's important long-term work. Um, for kids so, that grow up at RBC, I think Romans 8.1 will be one of those as well. Oh, boy, I hope so. I hope so, yeah. hear yeah. that almost every yeah. week. Yeah. yeah. I hope so. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, so um, let's talk about our library ladder. Um, if you're watching this on video, I'm sorry, but if you're watching this on video, uh, you will notice that Lee has remodeled his extensive uh, gentleman's study, and um, <laughs> he has he has uh, moved to a um, a different location. You have um, um, a di another study that mm -hmm. is is at his disposal. Mm -hmm. So, Lee, from your study, what do you have that you would recommend for us? I am happy to hold up a book that will not be swallowed by the library behind me. <laughs> uh, Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices by Thomas Brooks. This is mm -hmm. a Puritan paperback. It is a thick one, yeah. but it is not daunting. Uh, I'm I'm currently reading it at the moment. Uh, very refreshing. Uh, you know, in the life of the church, we've talked a lot about spiritual warfare uh, in the last few uh, few months, and I think this is a really important. Um, and honestly, for you know. The Puritans get a lot of flack for being hard for us uh, sophisticated moderns to read. Um, I think this is actually a, quite a, an approachable, readable uh, handbook on dealing with temptation, um, the wiles of Satan, um, and, and really um, practical, helpful, theologically rich um, encouragement to, um, to endure uh, against hardships. So hmm. highly recommend Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices by Thomas Brooks. Excellent. Steve? Yeah, so my book today is uh, Don't Waste Your Life Ooh, by John Piper. Nice, yeah. nice. Um, you, you were just talking about when you're, when you're at the end of your race, looking back on your life, he talks about that, of course, in this book about, you know, it's kind of a warning against the seduction of comfort and just kind of drifting downstream. And what did I spend these precious years doing to the glory of God or not doing? And it might be a little convicting. <laughs> I think better not have any seashells it, on your shelf behind you. Yeah. I don't have any seashells me. on there, but, uh, 
but a great book. And it's one of those books that I think probably everybody should read. It's a good one to have. Yeah. Yeah. Read. Excellent. Uh, mine, I, I, uh, just finished this one. It's a different one. And I, I I'm going to, I'm going to show you a, um, a copy on my phone. Doug Van Dorn. I, I left I left my copy in the in my church office. I just read it last week. Uh, Conspiracy theory: A Christian evaluation of a taboo subject by Doug Van Dorn. Doug Van Dorn is a Reformed Baptist pastor in Colorado, and he's written several books. Um, this one is really interesting. It's short. It's it's really thin. Um, you can read it in a sitting or two, and um, it is from a Christian. Um, point of view. And so he looks at some conspiracies in the Bible. There are, there are genuine conspiracies in the Bible that were seen as conspiracy theories. So in fact, in, in, after Jesus rose from the dead, um, the, the, the authorities said, tell him that the disciples came and stole his body. And then the, and then the text says that, that, that belief, that conspiracy theory, that conspiracy has persisted to this day. So there are people who believed that, um, that the disciples had this whole conspiracy. So it was, it's really interesting. And he wrote it. Um, he started writing it in April of 2020. So in the middle of the pandemic um, shutdown. And uh, he's got some really interesting um, points of view. Uh, it, I, I really enjoyed the book. It's a quick little read. Conspiracy Theory by Doug Van Dorn. What a guy. Nice. Okay. So I think that does it for tonight. Children are allowed to come to worship, encouraged to come to worship. We want our children in worship. And at the end of our services, we will often have a benediction. And at the end of our podcast, we have a famous benediction that is originally instructed by the Lord to Aaron to give to the people of Israel as a priestly benediction. And our resident uh, priest, priesthood of all believers, type of priest um, after the order of uh, Lee Jones will benedict us. Receive this benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.